As we go to open God's word together, let's ask him to bless it to us. Let us pray. Father in heaven, let us hear of your steadfast love in Christ, for in you we trust. Make us know the way we should go, for to you we lift up our souls. Deliver us from our enemies, O Lord, we have fled to you for refuge. Teach us to do your will, for you are our God. And let your good spirit lead us on level ground now, we pray. Amen. Please be seated. And please turn with me in God's word to the book of Proverbs. If you're visiting with us this morning, we're glad to have you here today. We've been considering a series through the book of Proverbs, and we've come to Proverbs chapter 11, verse 16. And that's where we're going to begin our reading, in Proverbs chapter 11 at verse 16. The book of Proverbs is right in the middle of your Bible between Psalms and Ecclesiastes. So Proverbs chapter 11, beginning our reading at verse 16, and let's pay careful attention, for this is God's own word. A gracious woman gets honor, and violent men get riches. A man who is kind benefits himself, but a cruel man hurts himself. The wicked earns deceptive wages, but one who sows righteousness gets a sure reward. Whoever is steadfast in righteousness will live, but he who pursues evil will die. Those of crooked heart are an abomination to the Lord, but those of blameless ways are his delight. Be assured, an evil person will not go unpunished, but the offspring of the righteous will be delivered. Like a gold ring in a pig's snout is a beautiful woman without discretion. The desire of the righteous ends only in good, the expectation of the wicked in wrath. One gives freely yet grows all the richer, another withholds what he should give and only suffers want. Whoever brings blessing will be enriched, and the one who waters will himself be watered. The people curse him who holds back grain, but a blessing is on the head of him who sells it. Whoever diligently seeks good seeks favor, but evil comes to him who searches for it. Whoever trusts in his riches will fall, but the righteous will flourish like a green leaf. Whoever troubles his own household will inherit the wind, and the fool will be the servant to the wise of heart. The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and whoever captures souls is wise. If the righteous is repaid on earth, how much more the wicked and the sinner. Thus far the reading of God's word, may he bless it to us. Well, this passage is, as the title of the sermon indicates, wisdom about giving and receiving. Um, The Bible has much to say about gifts and the giver of gifts. We might think in our minds as we think about giving automatically to that wonderful text in James 1 verse 17, every good gift and every perfect gift comes from above, coming down from the Father of lights. Um, the gifts come from God, we understand that. Uh, we also know that there's nothing that we can do to earn these good and perfect gifts, that they come to us as rewards of God's grace. Uh, Jesus told us in Luke 17.10, when you have done all that you were commanded, say we are unworthy servants, we have only done what was our duty. Uh, We don't earn good and perfect gifts from our God, but they come to us. They come to us because of who he is, that we have a good and gracious God 
who pours out rewards of grace on his people. We don't earn them from him. He gives them to us freely. A helpful question in the catechism talking about the rewards of good works. Question 63 asks, how can our good works be said to merit nothing when God promises to reward them in this life and in the next? And the answer is this reward is not merited. It is a gift of grace. And that's what we're thinking about this morning. That's what Proverbs is talking about. It's talking about the gifts of grace that come from God, that God bestows on the, on the wise and on the righteous for their faithful living. So we have to have that proper orientation as we come to think about these gifts of grace. Uh, but they are gifts. They are gifts that are given by God, particularly in this passage, uh, given to those who give themselves, uh, given to those who give themselves to their God who give themselves to their neighbors. Uh, Those who give are rewarded. They receive the rewards of God um, and the rewards of God's grace as a result of their faithfulness. And because this is wisdom by contrast, we see that those who do not give, who give nothing, receive nothing. And in fact, the little they have will be taken from them. And so wisdom is continuing to be taught us here in contrast, uh, how to avoid judgment and condemnation, how to receive a blessing from the Lord. And so that's what we're talking about this morning, uh, that those who give themselves to God and neighbor, um, those who are, they are those who will receive the blessings from our God. Um, and what are the blessings that we receive? How can we think about the blessings that are given to us in this passage? Um, these gracious rewards, I think we can think about them as first, the blessings of integrity, I think that's the first thing we see in the passage, the blessings of integrity. The second are the blessings of generosity, uh, the blessings of generosity. And then finally, the blessings of certainty, uh, the things that certainly will come from our God to the righteous. So that's how I want to think about these righteous rewards, these gracious rewards that we see in the passage before us, the blessings of integrity, of generosity, and of certainty. Uh, The blessings of integrity are the first things that confront us. Verses 16 through 22 are really the first section of this uh, subsection of 11 that we're thinking about. And the first characteristic of of people of integrity that we meet with right at the beginning is the gracious woman. Uh, the, The first characteristic that is really lauded for us here is graciousness. Um, It's, as one person put it, traits of a noble character. The word means agreeableness or a certain charm. Um, A gracious person, a gracious woman, uh, what does she lay hold of um, through her graciousness? She lays hold of honor. Um, And that maybe doesn't strike us as the greatest thing to lay hold of. Um, There are other things that people are laying hold of, particularly in the first verse, 16. The violent are laying hold of wealth. And someone might be asked, who's who's getting the better portion here? Uh, The one who gets honor or the one who gets wealth? Well, clearly it's the one who gets honor. Um, Proverbs 22 verse 1 says, A good name is to be chosen rather than great riches, and favor is better than silver or gold. And that word that's translated favor in chapter 22 is the same word we have here in chapter 11 is honor. Um, if honor is better than gold and riches, better than silver and riches, then, then she's chosen the better part. And she's earned more profit actually than all of the violent men who were after wealth. Notice how it's one gracious woman contrasted to many violent men. 
And Proverbs is teaching us something important right from the big beginning, reminding us once again of where true wealth is found, uh, where true value is to be assessed in this world. Um, the wicked really don't profit even from the wealth they lay hold of. We've been taught over and over again in Proverbs as we've gone through it that wealth gained by wickedness does not last. It does not profit. And as one person put it, the tyrant's best achievement come, becomes an invidious enemy. They possess neither the lasting fame nor the true fortune they sought. One gracious woman profits more than a horde of violent men. What is Proverbs teaching us through this? It's the superiority of one person said of grace over brute force. That ruthlessness is not the only way to the top. One gracious woman here receives more and better and lasting wealth than a host of violent men combined. It's an important truth that we're being taught in this passage. Um, Kindness is also held up before us in this passage. A gracious woman and a kind person in verse 17. Graciousness wins honor and favor from God. It wins honor and favor from other people. By its nature, honor comes from other people. Um, But what we're told here is kindness is a reward in and of itself. Uh, Verse 17 tells us that a man who is kind benefits himself. Uh, Kindness is its own reward in that sense. Um, It offers a blessing to those who practice it. Again, the word here is interesting. The word for kindness, uh, when we use it of God, we translate it steadfast love. It's that covenant loyalty that God always shows in love to his people. And so when it's applied to his people, what does that mean? It's people of the covenant who act as they should, putting God before themselves, putting their neighbors before themselves. That's what it really means at its heart to be a kind person, uh, for your heart to go out to other people um, and to put them before yourself. And what, what are we being taught here? When you're kind, when you put other people before yourself, that's a reward in and of itself. By giving, you are gaining. And that's going to be an important theme as we go on in this passage. By giving, you're actually gaining something by putting God first by putting others first what are you really doing you're rewarding yourself Um, because God is is seeing the kindness that we do and God will not fail to reward the kindness that he sees the beautiful promise in Isaiah 58 10 and 11 if you pour yourself out for the hungry and satisfy the desire of the afflicted Then shall your light rise in the darkness and your gloom be as the noonday. And the Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your desire in scorched places and make your bones strong. And you shall be like a watered garden, like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. What a wonderful picture of the reward that returns on those who show kindness. Or think of what our Lord Jesus said in Luke 6.38. Give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over will be put in your lap. For with the measure you use it will be, it be measured back to you. How wonderful that Proverbs holds up to us the blessings that come from graciousness. The blessings that come from kindness. 
Um, because it's so against the messages we so often hear in our world. The idea that nice guys finish last. And that it's a dog-eat-dog world that requires a certain amount of roughness to survive. But God's word says, no, you know, actually what wins, what wins honor, what wins reward, what wins favor from the Lord is graciousness, is kindness. Um, and doesn't that show what kind of God we have and what kind of value we should put on the things of this world? What a world it would be if there was more graciousness, if there was more kindness. Uh, What a privilege we have as the people of God to be that kind of people and to shine that kind of light in the world and to know that the Lord sees and honors that and that he sees and honors it even if no one else does. Um, Because people would say, well, you know, it's a tough world out there. are you sure that, that graciousness and kindness is the best way to operate? Uh, given what kind of world it is, you know, it's, it's a hard world. It's a, it's a world with rough edges. It's a dog-eat-dog world. Maybe other kinds of people would be more suited for it. Um, but are other people more suited for it? Is a, is a cruel person better off in this world? Um, does Proverbs hold up a cruel person as a, someone to emulate? No, what does a cruel person find? That his cruelty will ultimately boomerang on himself. Um, a cruel man hurts himself. That's not the way forward in this world. And what Proverbs is continuing to put before us is there's a difference between what seems to profit and what, la- what offers lasting profit. We've said time after time, sometimes Proverbs almost sounds naive. You almost want to say, kind and gracious people get run over in this world. What are you talking about? But Proverbs is always taking the long view and saying, in the end, graciousness and kindness profits. Uh, It's not being naive. It's taking the full view of life. Um, And and that continues to go forward as verses 18 through 21 teach us about the difference between the deceptive wages that the wicked are earning in this world and the sure reward that awaits the righteous. If you're concerned that we're only two verses in, don't worry. We're going to pick up the pace as we go along. Uh, but I think it's important that we establish that, that foundation of the character that God expects of his people and the sure reward that is offered to the righteous as opposed to the deceptive wages that await the wicked. That's such a helpful picture that we're given in verse 18. The difference between deceptive wages and a sure reward. Um, what are the deceptive wages of the wicked? Uh, deceptive wages are things that look like they are worth something, but are not. Um, we went once when we were kids to visit California gold country, you know, up in the north where they discovered gold. And I think it's obligatory when you do that to pan for gold at some point. Uh, maybe you've all had that experience. Um, it's not a good task for children to do. It's not panning for gold is, uh, is a, I think, inherently patient task, and children just want to slosh it around and find a lump of gold. Um, But what you'll notice when you first do it is you see stuff floating in there that looks like gold right away. And I remember thinking, I'm nailing this. There's all kinds of gold in this pan. Um, But, of course, what someone will tell you right away is what you see there shining like gold is not gold. I think it's iron pyrite. If you're a geologist, you can correct me later. Um, But we commonly call it fool's gold. And why do we call it fool's gold? Well, because, boys and girls, it sure looks like gold in the pan, but it's not worth anything. 
And we know that truth that not all that glitters is gold. That's what deceptive wages are. The, the wicked think they're earning something. They think it's paying off their wickedness in the world, but it actually doesn't. Um, it's, it, it falls apart, everything that they look for. In verse 19, they pursue evil, but they attain only death. All the things they think their, their corner cutting will get them, it all leads to the same place. It all ends up in death. In all of their crooked ways that they wander, thinking that they know better how to walk in this world than God does, where do they end up? They end up in death. They end up in the perversity of their hearts becoming an abomination before the Lord. Um, And what is the ultimate end of the wicked? Verse 21 says, Be assured, an evil person will not go unpunished. All they think they are accomplishing in the world, they're not accomplishing. It's all leading to death. It's all leading to becoming more and more an abomination in the sight of the Lord until he can't stand it and has to visit them with judgment. Be sure of this, God's word says, the wicked will not go unpunished. But what is the picture given of the righteous? They have a sure reward. It's not a deceptive wage. And sometimes it doesn't look like the thing you're looking for. Not to spend too much time panning for gold, but what you find is the stuff that's actually gold doesn't look much like gold. It looks kind of yellow. It's not sort of the shiny gold you expect. But that's where the real value is. It might not look shiny, but it's it's real. It's of value. And that's what the righteous have. They have a sure reward in this life. Um, The sure reward of life Everlasting, verse 19. Whoever is steadfast in righteousness will live. Another way of saying that in the, in the Hebrew is almost, yes, indeed, the righteous will attain life. That's the certainty of the reward. Life now and life in the world to come. And not an abomination to the Lord as the wicked are in walking their twisted paths. The righteous who walk the straight path, what do they find? Verse 20 tells us those of blameless ways are his delight. Couldn't be more of a difference between being an abomination in the sight of the Lord and being his delight. And what is the sure reward that's held out to the righteous when the judgment comes? That judgment that none of the wicked will escape unpunished? What will happen to the righteous in the judgment? They will be delivered. Another way of saying that is they will find safety. That's the reward that awaits the righteous. That's the rich reward that awaits them. And that's why the section is rounded off with maybe this kind of strange image. Um, maybe this is no one's life verse, verse 22. Like a gold ring in a pig's snout is a beautiful woman without discretion. Uh, that's one of those that maybe we're tempted to say, I'm not sure we needed that one to live life to the fullest. Um, What does that mean? Well, why does it stand here at the end of this section? It means to contrast itself with the first woman we met. The first woman we met in verse 16. The gracious woman who found something of real value. And it's meant to contrast us with a woman who has all the beauty in the world, but has none of the discretion. None of the all-important right judgment in the world. And says, you know... To have that, to have all that beauty but no wisdom, 
is to be like a pig that has a great gold ring in its nose, but spends its time mucking around, tarnishing that beautiful ornament. It's standing here to say there are two kinds of ways in the world. There are two kinds of people to be. One is wonderful. One is a delight in every way. Uh, One is to be held up as something to emulate. And another is to be the last person you want to be. And that's really the message that Proverbs has over and over again. The righteous who by grace through faith are living lives of faithful service to God and neighbor are assured of the blessings that will follow. Honor and life and favor from the Lord and safety in the judgment to come. And it's just reminding us there's, there's nothing else to be desired. When they're set side by side in contrast like this, there's no choice. Right? Because I have a I'm a pastor, I have to say, choose the right way, um, but it's almost like it screams off the page which way you should choose. I don't think anyone reads this and says, you know, this way of violence and cruelty really seems to pay off. No, it's clear they labor for nothing, but fleeting wealth that in the end earns nothing but the hatred of God and others and ultimately ends in judgment and condemnation. And the, the scriptures cry out to us, avoid that. Avoid that path that leads nowhere. In wickedness. Follow the Lord. And the way the Lord Jesus Christ has showed us. Follow him in gracious service. And all these blessings will come. That's why the blessings of integrity are not just held out to us. But the blessings of generosity. That really is the subject of verses 23 through 27. How integrity also leads to generosity in the world. Um, And these expand and reinforce the idea that was begun... But it's, it's almost paradoxical to say, the more you give, the more you get from the Lord. Um, and the more you try to withhold for yourself, the more it comes to nothing. It seems paradoxical to say that. It seems simplistic. It seems like we're playing games. But the Proverbs are very clear and helpful to understand this truth. The more the righteous gives, the more he earns. And the more the wicked tries to withhold, the more he loses, the more losses he sustains. And verse 23 really provides that transition from our first section into the second and could be the theme for the whole passage. But the desire of the righteous only ends, ends only in good. Another way of saying that is the desire of the righteous is only good. What does the righteous person want ultimately? Good as God defines it. Good as God defines it in his word. Um, What does the righteous person want? Good as God describes it. Good for the neighbor. Trying to do things that are always going to be good. Always going to be helpful. Never trying to harm the people around them. Um, That is the the desire of the righteous. Is only good. Um, Whereas what is of the wicked? The heart... um, The desire of the righteous ends only in good, but the expectation of the wicked in wrath. They end only in wrath. They have no thought for God, no thought for others. They're utterly selfish. And they find that what that earns them in life is no one gives a thought for them, but for wrath. Um, And so the righteous is generous. The righteous shows his desire for good in the generosity he shows to those who are around him. How does a righteous person show his generosity? Well, first we see that he gives freely. 
Um, One gives freely, we're told, and yet grows all the richer. Um, He scatters the seed, that really is the verb there, Uh, gives freely as a picture of of scattering seed. And that helps us to see what's being said by the proverb there because what does the farmer do in scattering the seed? He's losing something by scattering it. He's losing something in the planting. He's losing the seed he has. But he's expecting something better. Right? You're giving away the seed expecting the return of the crop. Uh, Sometimes wonderful crops that are far beyond what you imagine. And that's that's how the righteous person is described in his generosity. He's scattering seed. He's giving what he has in the expectation of something better that will come. Um, And what is that better thing that he will receive? Well, that's why we sang Psalm 112 this morning uh, for that verse, 112 verse 9. He has distributed freely. He has given to the poor His righteousness endures forever. His horn is exalted in honor. And Paul expands on that psalm when in 2 Corinthians 9, he talks about giving. And this is what he says in 1 Corinthians 9, 6 through 9. The point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. As it is written, he has distributed freely, he has given to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. Sadly, these verses have been used as a kind of prosperity gospel. You give freely of money and the Lord will give that money back to you bountifully. Um, You notice that's not at all what's being said here. Paul's not saying you give money and you get a lot more in return or saying, you know, you you sow sparingly, you'll, you know, so put a big, I want to hear the money that folds going into the offering plate, not the money that clinks. That's not what Paul's saying. What, What is Paul saying? He's saying it's the same thing is true of a farmer. If you take a little bit of seed and put it in the ground, you're going to get a little bit of a crop take a lot of seed and put it in the ground, you're going to get a lot of a crop. Um, and if you give, the return you get is not monetary return, but it's still something of value. What does Paul say returns when you give? He's not saying you give to get more money. He says grace abounds to you. The, the righteous one who's giving freely becomes richer, not necessarily in money. That's not the point. You become richer in grace. Richer in honor before the Lord. That's the riches that come. So Paul says, grace will abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, that's the reward. That's the riches that the righteous get. The wicked looks at that and says, that doesn't pay What value is of that to me? But much in every way, isn't it? There's real value there. And that's what's being told. Told us. You give money, you grow rich in righteousness, in honor, in abounding grace. Heavenly treasure that actually lasts. 
The generous person gives freely. He brings blessing, verse 25 says. A life-bestowing blessing. Um, It's a wonderful thing to provide for the neighbor. Whoever brings a blessing, that includes prayer for the neighbor. It includes meeting the needs that a neighbor might have. That's how we bring, bring blessing on those. And again, those who bring blessing will be enriched. Literally, you'll be fattened. Now, maybe we don't like that. Um, many of us are trying not to be as fattened as we are. Um, but what does that really mean? Well, in fatness in, in the Old Testament was a sense of blessing in every sense. Uh, wealth, abundance, full satisfaction, health. The thing you particularly need that's a blessing, and, and the corollary of that is the one who waters will himself be watered. The one who waters others in a parched land will himself be soaked with blessing. And not just blessing from others, but ble- not just blessings from God, but blessings from others as well. Uh, not those who give a blessing receive a blessing, we're told in verse 26. A blessing is on the, him, is on the head of him who sells grain. There are times when someone has grain and grain is needed in the land and you go to them and you need the grain that they have and they're willing to sell it to you and they sell it to you at a fair price even though the scarcity of it would make them able to jack up the price on you. But they don't profiteer. They sell it to you at the right price. And what does someone do in that situation? They go home blessing the name of that honest person. Thank you, Lord, for their honesty. Thank you for their generosity in giving it to me at a fair price. They not only give blessings, they receive blessings. Because their desire is for good. That's what they're diligently seeking to do. They're diligently seeking the welfare of others. That's the wonderful promise of verse 27. That's, how, that's who they are. They seek, they seek for favor. They seek for good. So they seek for good for others. They receive favor. And diligently seeking something means you're willing to pay the price to find it. Um, you're willing to pay the cost to find it. Right? All this generosity that we're, we're reading about here, it comes at a cost, right? The one who gives freely has to give of what they have for other people. Um, they have to give of their time and their resources to be a blessing to someone else, to water them. Um, They have to pass up the profit they might have made on the grain by jacking up the price in times of need, but they didn't do any of those things. They bore the cost of that themselves, and why? Because they were diligently seeking the good of others. And what does Proverbs tell us? The one who diligently seeks the good of the others, they find favor from the Lord. They find favor from the Lord in what they've done. The wicked are the exact opposite of that. They have no time for anyone else. They have nothing to give anyone else, and they find themselves coming to poverty. Um, They don't give freely. They're not a blessing. When they see an opportunity to profiteer, they take it. And they're cursed on account of it. And what they sought for others, they get for themselves. That's the final message of verse 27. Um, evil comes to him who searches for it. They sought for evil and they got it. It came down around their heads just as they uh, wanted it to happen to others, it's happened to them. And so then where does the passage leave us? 
Um, it ends with the blessings of certainty. The certain things that God's people can know. And, and what is the first thing that we're told God's people can know? The wicked come to nothing. The wicked come to nothing. Their houses one day just suddenly fall down. They've trusted in their wealth, but everything they've done has eroded and corroded their households. They've troubled their own households until they fall down. Sort of the image of a building that's been built on a faulty foundation all of a sudden just falls down one day. That's the picture of the wicked in verses 28 and 29. In the end, they have nothing left. And notice the perfection of God's judgment. They have nothing left. They inherit the wind. Um, And then their only option is to sell themselves into slavery. Sort of like the prodigal son who has no other option but to go home and sell himself into slavery. And what does the wicked person have to do? He has to sell himself in slavery to the wise in heart. He ends up being sold in slavery to the one he would not serve with his wealth. And the one he would not serve with his wealth voluntarily, he serves in his poverty involuntarily. It shows the perfect justice of our God. But what is a certain blessing that awaits the righteous? The righteous who rely not on their wealth, but on their God. What is the promise here? They will blossom. When the righteous, when the when the, those with riches fall in verse twenty-eight, the righteous flourish like a green leaf. Uh, we flourish. We continue to grow because we are branches of that vine who is Christ. There's life for the righteous. They grow while the wicked fall. They also are a tree of life to those around them. Um, the fruit of a righteous person, verse 30, is a tree of life. The consequence of the deeds they do give life to others. That's what the tree of life is held out. It represents healing. It represents provision. And that's, what we're, that's what's said here of the righteous. I know we're reaching the end, but it's, it's worth meditating over the privilege that God gives us in this world to be a tree of life to others to provide what they need for life, to be God's means of providing life and health and the needs of our neighbor. What a privilege that is. What a wonderful description um, to be a tree of righteousness. And then finally we read, the one who captures souls is wise. The one who captures souls is wise. Almost everywhere that phrase is used, the one who, who takes a soul, it means to take a life. It means to kill someone. Here it's uniquely turned around because you're not taking the soul from life, you're taking the soul from death. That's what the righteous have the privilege of doing in this world too. Um, by our evangelism, by our preaching of the word, by our sharing the good news with, the na- with our neighbors, what are we doing? We're capturing their souls from death. It's the privilege the righteous have in this world to be those who take away souls from death to life. Um, We can be certain that there is a blessing from following the Lord Jesus Christ. We can be certain that it pays to live. There's more that we could say about verse 31, but I think our time is up. Um, But it pays to serve the Lord. It pays to serve him. And the wicked will know that it does not pay 
to resist the Lord. And so we see that it's certain to be a, we are certain to be a blessing to the world when we walk in the righteous ways that God has set for us. And that it's more blessed to be a gift to this world than it is to just try to take from it. The more we give ourselves to the service of God and, and the service of our neighbors, what Proverbs says is the more we actually profit. Um, because our God sees and our God will not fail to reward the good things that we do in his service. Not because we've earned them, but because he is a gracious God who will honor his people. Amen. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, how we desire to be the righteous people that we see in this text. How we desire to be those who are gracious and kind in the world, who are generous to our neighbors. How we desire to be those who are growing always in Christ, who are living branches of him who is the true vine. That in doing so that we might, by the fruit of our righteousness, be a tree of life for those who so desperately need us in this world. We pray that we would be those who capture souls from death, who win people over to the Lord Jesus Christ. So Lord, help us to be a blessing to this world. Help us to reap the great rewards that are promised to the righteous. And to do so not because it's primarily to earn rewards that we do things, but because we know they're pleasing in your sight. And that when we do those things, we are following after the path of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So hear us and help us, we pray, for we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.